intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. I am your host, Efren Guzman. I'm here in my first episode in Wisconsin, Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. People ask me, why Wisconsin? Well, why not? Um, yeah, Wisconsin. It's beautiful. It's sunny. The trees are amazing. There's a lot of green. There's a lot of grass. And um, this is going to be the first episode in Wisconsin. I'm here with my daughter, Dallas Dior Guzman. Say hi, Dallas. Hey, guys. Hey. So, um, Dallas, are you a movie fan? Of course you are, right? Yeah, I'm your daughter, I mean. What? <laughs> God. <laughs> What, what what movie you like? What what's your favorite movie? Mm, you'll probably make fun of me. No, I won't. Are we there yet? Uh, with <laughs> with um, Ice Cube. Yeah. Are we there yet? And are we done yet? Right, that was the sequel. Then they have the TV show on TBS. Yeah. Oh, uh, what is it about that movie you like? Why is that your favorite movie? I just like the devious kids. They remind me of myself. Because you're devious yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. When you have a girl, they're usually devious, so you have to watch it. I'm just kidding. Oh, but um, it's a it's it's a it's a it's a good movie. Yeah, it's it's good. You know, well, my favorite movie. I'll have a lot. You know, Star Wars is me. You know, my favorite. I love Scarface. I love um, Star Trek. Uh, I don't know. As you would say, those are geeky movies. So you like the geek movies, but I I truly love those though. Yeah. I mean, I watch it when it's in the theaters. <laughs> and on television, too, at Netflix, right? Sometimes. Not, not all the time, right? No. Those are, like, the kind of movies I don't like to watch over and over again. If I see it once, I'm good. Oh, all right. That's cool. Just to say that I saw it. Uh, you want to give a shout-out to anybody? or? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> all right. Um, Enjoying the Wisco life. Oh, I like that. Enjoying the Wisco life. So, ladies and gentlemen, from here on out, I'll be in Wisconsin. And, and we out. Yep, we out. Peace out and enjoy the show. Hey guys, what's going on? You're listening to the Atomic Podcast with your host, Ephraim. I just want to wish you good luck now, guys, in Wisconsin. Listen, this podcast is so much fun because it doesn't just cover one uh, topic. It covers a bunch of them. Sports, movies, video games, whatever he wants to talk about, this guy's going to talk about it. I love coming on and talking about it with him. So, guys, do me a favor and listen to this podcast as much as possible because God knows I am. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. My guest today, he is from the Schmoes No Movie Show, the one, the only, JTE. What's up, JTE? What's going on? Let's keep it exciting. I heard you say it's an exciting show. Let's do it. Yes, man. Give your accolades, man, because you're you're involved in more shows. So let the fans know what else you do. Yeah, as usually, catch me every Thursday on Schmoes. Now you can also catch me on Screen Junkies. I'm the engineer there. But I do pop in at a few shows here and there. I've, I've had a few fights and movie fights. Yeah, I just kind of cameo whenever they need me. Yeah, and you every Thursday Schmoes Now. I'm no longer doing box office breakdown, but we decided to retire that after two great years. Uh, but I do have my own YouTube channel now called JTE Movie Thinks, just like my Twitter, JTE Movie Thinks. Uh, where I do reviews, I do trailer reviews, basically whatever geekiness I want to talk about. I just throw out a quick little video. 
Oh, um, what is the reason why you guys retired the um, movie breakdown show? Um, it was just, it was a long time coming. I mean, we did it for two years, and the truth is, just busy. <laughs> but, yeah. it's, but when I first started doing the show, I was just, you know, working part-time at Screen Junkies. I had a lot of free time. Uh, I didn't have that many side projects, but out in the last two years, being full-time at Screen Junkies, doing stuff for Schmoes, doing my own stuff, uh, it just got to the point where I was so busy that it was hard for all three of our, us, me, Fenstock, and Sarah, it was hard for us all to get on the same page. So the last couple months, I would be missing, Fenstock would be missing, Sarah would be missing. Uh, it just got to the point where life got too busy. And there's some new hosts that do it now, and they're doing a great job, and we'll kind of move on. But on every Thursday, I'm supposed now, me and Finstock. Uh, not every Thursday, but almost every other Thursday, we come on and we do a little box office breakdown for like a few minutes. Oh well, how is it doing both um schmoes and screen junkies? Is it you? Are you juggling too much on your plate? Is that why or? Yeah, well, screen junkies is a full time job. Yeah. Um, we have new shows almost every month being created. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just it's, it's a lot to do, and you know I get paid to do that. <laughs> you gotta do. You gotta make. You don't. You don't want your you know hobbies to interfere with your career. Yeah. You gotta have a good balance of both. And I figured by dropping Box Office Breakdown, I could concentrate on doing my own YouTube channel. I could concentrate on doing some other things. So I just thought it worked out best that way. Oh. And then also, um, um, your show, JTE Movie Thinks, you review a lot of movies. And you a particular movie you just recently seen was um, Independence Day Resurgence. Uh, there's a lot of people talking about it that it's horrible, is stinkoid, is is not as good as the first. Um, break it down for me, man. Um, what is your opinion on that? What's my opinion overall on what? On um, um, Independence Day Resurgence. Oh, oh, the actual movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, that, I think that response tells you what I think about the movie overall. It's, yeah, it, it was pretty disappointing. I was really hoping this movie would kind of come in and save the summer. Because mm -hmm. overall, I think the summer's been really weak. Uh, mm -hmm. The best movies I've seen this year are the small indie films that have almost no, you know, PR Stuff that is just kind of flying under the radar in the big budget films. Because the big budget films this year have not really done too well for me. Uh, Batman v Superman I enjoyed, even though most people didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, Civil War is by far the best thing I've seen this summer as far as summer blockbusters. Mm -hmm. Everything else is just kind of disappointed. Warcraft, for me, was very forgettable. Even X-Men Apocalypse, which I was really excited for because I love Days of Future Past. Uh, it wasn't very good. I, I saw Days of Future Past maybe four times in theaters. It was one of my favorite movies last year. I saw X-Men Apocalypse once, and I had no desire to see it again. So I was hoping the Penn's Day was to be good just to kind of, you know, give me something in the middle of the summer to be happy and <laughs> be happy about. But, yeah, it just didn't really quite do it for me. Um, Will Smith is missed in this movie. Mm. That guy brought so much charisma and fun to that movie. I, people forget, you go back and watch the first Independence Day, it's not the greatest movie in the world. It's a very fun, kind of cheesy movie. But, not only did you have the great special effects back then, but you had actors like Bill Pullman, Randy Quaid, uh, Jeff Goldblum when he was in his prime, Will Smith. These guys added to the movie and made it so much more fun. This movie, Bill Pullman is there, but he's not really there to play. Jeff Goldblum is there, but he's kind of doing this thing. He's, Everyone just feels like they're just going through the motions in the movie. And the new characters are so forgettable. The kid that got playing Will Smith's son is got 
not one ounce of the charisma that Will Smith had in the first movie. And I think the person they're really trying to push in this movie is Liam Hemsworth, who's fine. He's okay. He's not bad. But he's not going to, you know, he's not good enough where he could save your movie. Uh, special effects are good. I mean, I guess they're fine. But, yeah, I, I just wanted more. I wanted it to be more like Independence Day. This movie, they repeat a lot of the things they did in the first movie, but not as well. Um, I feel like the tension and the build-up to the first film was so good. Even today, when you watch Independence Day, the first movie, you get you know that they're going to get attacked, but you feel the build-up. This one, there was not much build-up. It just kind of happened. I think Ro, Ro, uh, Roland Emmerich, uh, he's, he's just, I don't know if he has anything new to say anymore as a filmmaker. Everything he does just feels kind of copy and paste. So is is it more of a rehash of the first one? And um, you said it with the characters development was like kind of lacking, especially with the son of like you know the son of the Will Smith character, correct? Yeah, he's he's they're not even in it that much. His son's character is not even in the movie that much. Liam Hemsworth gets a pretty good decent amount of time, and like the first movie, there are a lot of the side characters, but unfortunately, none of them are very memorable or very good. So don't really care when shit starts to go down like you did in the first movie. The first movie, they had that great thing where Jeff Goldblum, his ex-girlfriend, is the you know, Secretary of State for the President Bill Pullman, and they even, there's even a scene in the, in the White House where they mentioned how they got in a fight once. Like, little nuggets of backstory are slipped in there, and really made you kind of care for the dynamic and what the characters were going through, and it was relatable. I didn't find that to be the case in this movie. I really didn't relate to anybody. Uh, um, and you didn't think, um, how was Jeff Goldblum in the film? You say he wasn't really, he was just Jeff Goldblum pretty much in... Yeah, his... he was fine. He, yeah, I mean, I think he knew he was just, you know, I don't want to say it was a paycheck movie, because he's <laughs> doing his thing. Yeah. He just doesn't have much to work with. Uh, the, it's a very lazy written script. Uh, the new stare, I will give us some credit. There are some cool things that happened in the movie that, um, you don't see in the trailers as far as, like, plot devices. Which I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, this is something I didn't see coming. But it's not enough to save the movie because everything around it is just so poor. Yeah. I think, you know, the sequel came around too, too late. If there, if there was going to do an independent sequel, it should have been done a little bit earlier, probably like four years after the first one. And, you know, Will Smith is uh, a bigger star now. There's no way he would come back to a movie like that, especially with that type of that, that type of budget film. All of Will Smith... Everything Will Smith does is a big budget masterpiece, and I don't think Independence Day, you know, Resurgence was a big budget masterpiece, right? Yeah, I mean, Independence <laughs> Day, it was a landmark movie for it just because I, I said this before Independence Day Resurgence came out. There hasn't been a movie quite like Independence Day since it came out. Yeah. Uh, there's, some movies have tried, like, movie, there's a movie called Battle Los Angeles, yeah. which I was not a huge fan of. Uh, there's even Steven Spielberg had War of the Worlds, yeah, which was cool, but overall didn't really enjoy it. Uh, no one here as much as I enjoyed Independence Day. Uh, I think that movie really captured the alien invasion better than almost the most movies I could think of. Wow! And um, how do you rank it? Like um, one out of four? Like what? What is your ranking on it? I, I gave it a two point three out of five. Wow! Only because. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Which is not horrible. Like a lot of my friends are rating it even lower than that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not gonna lie. There's moments where I thought this is cool, and there's some of the special effects do look really cool. Just the everything that happens around it. There's not enough setup. So 
as just pure eye candy. Like, I could see a 10-year-old kid going into this movie and having a blast. Yeah. Like, I could see them having a really good time because they don't care about plot. They don't care about characterization. They're just going to go and see a big-budget action movie. And it's better than Trans- the last Transformers movie. That movie was a mess. Yeah. Uh, it was just... It was The story was all over the place. It was horrible. Uh, the action scenes were even well shot. I will give Roland Emmerich. Like, he knows how to film these disaster scenes. He's been doing it for so many years. So when I was watching it, I was like, okay, I can understand what a kid like in this movie. Yeah. Um, do you compare it to Godzilla when they, you know, like that type of movie? Is it like that type of like uh, popcorn movie? The one Emmerich directed or the one that came out a couple years No, no, the one Roland Emmerich directed. Uh, that movie's horrible. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't really compare it to that. Yeah, it's, it is comparable in some ways. Yeah. Because Matthew Broderick and some of the side characters in that movie don't really can make any sense. But I kind of knew going in they weren't going to be great. You know, I, I, I from wrong, when it comes to Roland Emmerich, I, I, I accept that there's going to be a real cheesy dialogue. There's going to be a real cheesy characterization that are painted in broad strokes, not fine detail. Um, but this one was even. Even though my expectations were lowered for that end of the movie, I still uh, was disappointed with it. Wow, I can't believe it because you know there's so many even reviews and articles are turn- are coming out that this movie is is the the, the crapper is really that bad. You know, I'm, I was surprised. You know, like I was going, I, you know, I, I definitely wanted to see it, but like all these negative reviews, like you know, I kind of figured it wasn't gonna be great, especially coming from Roland Emmerich because he hasn't really done anything relevant in a long time. So I wasn't even gonna bother to see it. I was like, let me just talk to JTE and see what he thinks about it. And you know, you pretty much unanimously give it like everybody else. Like this movie was crap, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I didn't like it, but I think I didn't hate it as much as my friends. I saw it with the whole Schmo and Collider crew the other night, and I might have been the only one I, I didn't like it, but they hated it. Like, wow. I just don't like it. Wow. Was uh, it, they hated it. Was it unanimous all around, though? Did all you guys Yeah, just... there was not one person that liked the movie when I was, the people I was with. Wow, it must make Transformers seem like a masterpiece now, right? I don't know. I think I was talking to Christian Harloff, and he's, I think he said he liked Transformers 4 better. And I think I was arguing with him. I was like, no way. But <laughs> he really didn't like it. I think he hated it more than anybody. Yeah. So far with all the summer movies that are out now, um, you know, besides to me, Civil War is still, like, hands down, probably one of the best movies I've oh, seen yeah. so far right, this year. You know, I give, like, Deadpool second. But um, so far in 2016, are you satisfied with the with the whole summer blockbuster movies? Or you think there hasn't really been a blockbuster yeah, as of yet? It's been horrible. Besides, so I don't even count Deadpool as a summer blockbuster because that was, like, what, May? Yeah, yeah. February? Oh, it was February. Yeah, February. Valentine's Day, right? Around that time? That's right, Valentine's Day. Yeah. For me, the summer movie season has been, like I said, overall not good. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of, um, besides Civil War, is the only one where I felt fully satisfied. Like, I, even though I kind of like that movie, Superman, it definitely didn't leave us satis- completely satisfied. Um, what else? I mean, Warcraft I didn't really enjoy. Finding Dory was fine, but that's more of a kids' movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not really hopeful for Ghostbusters. We'll see how it does. Um,. The only thing that's really on my radar that I'm excited for is Suicide Squad in August. Yeah. Su- I can't really like the new Turtles. New Turtles is not good either. Yeah. Yeah, just not good stuff. <laughs> I know so far yeah I'm you know I've, I've seen a few movies out there um so far to me like I said Civil War was just 
amazing. I think the, the way they set up the trailers and the whole storyline was great. Batman vs. Superman, I talked about it on my previous episode of the show, and it was it was okay. You know what I'm saying? I liked it. I enjoyed it. I'm not hating it like everybody else did, but um, I just thought... You know, it could have been so much more. It just could have been so much more. But um, I don't know. And also, just a lot of movies that I wasn't really like. I was. I didn't. I wasn't really excited for. Now you see me too. Conjuring <laughs> two was okay. I wasn't really that excited for it. Yeah. Central Intelligence, not really something I was that excited for. Um, Alice Through Looking Glass, I didn't want to see at all. Yeah. Angry Birds movie, didn't really care about. Uh, Jungle Book was good. Uh, it was solid. I like that one. That visually it was fantastic. Uh, but some of these movies, like Zootopia, came out before the summer, and I thought that was really good. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, that's right. I forgot uh, about that. That was a good movie. And like Neighbors Two, Sorority Rising was good, but that was, it was the first. Uh, for me, the movies I really enjoyed were the smaller movies that aren't getting any attention. Like I like the Nice Guys. Yeah. Um, I really like I Sing Street. It's probably my favorite movie of the year so far. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is there? Pop Star Never Stop Stopping made no money. Was out for one week basically, and I had fun with it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I don't like you know like you you say like you say that correctly because a, a lot of small films really don't get the exposure until like word of mouth comes in or it's on VOD you know then people want to see it and they talk about it but um the blockbuster season you know I guess next year it's going to be really big with like Transformers and um what is Justice League I think this it's next year is really going to be huge but I think I say that every year like every other summer blockbuster oh this is going to be bigger than the next one but I think next year is going to be one to watch see i hope you're right it can't be even worse than this year yeah so far 2016 also has been hit with a lot of depths man you know there's a lot of depths every year don't get me wrong you know 2000 yeah 2015 2014 you know there's always depths depths is always gonna come in life but this year was just like insanely crazy you know from you know prince david bowie and then you know then for the the actors you know anton yelchin he was so young man is it yeah, Muhammad right on top of the list. I can't believe I didn't say him first. Yeah, Muhammad Ali, of course, the greatest of all time. You know, and you know, film wise, Anton Yelchin, he was so young, man. Um and you know, the last I think the last well he had other films in the pipeline, but um Star Trek Beyond is the one that's gonna be released soon. Um uh-huh. what are your thoughts about um Anton Yelchin and his films? You know, he had a lot uh, so of good films. I, yeah, we had him in our studio, Screen Junkies about a month and a half ago, he was in there with the director Green Room to kind of talk about the movie and to meet the guy who's super nice, down to earth, you know, it was real cool. And yeah, man, uh, what a shitty way to die. I mean, it was, it's not like it's because nothing he did was his fault. It was something that one in a million ways of dying. Mm. No, it's a freak accident. I've never heard of anybody dying like that in all my life. Um, and it's just so sad when somebody that talented is killed in such a senseless. And, you know, unmeaningful way. But, yeah, I like Anton Elton, man. I've always liked his movies. He was, I feel like he was just beginning his career as far as, like, getting to the next level. Uh, I really liked him in the Star Trek films. The films that really I remember him from is, I really enjoyed the remake of Fright Night with Colin Farrell. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, I thought he was really good in that. I thought it was a really fun movie. And, you know, he was the lead in that. And I thought I did a great job. Uh, he did a movie with um, the girl that was nominated for Oscar for Theory uh, of Everything, Felicity mm-hmm. Jones. Yeah. They did a movie called Like Crazy, which was fantastic. 
and I thought he was fantastic in it. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of some of his other films. Like, he was in bad movies too, though. But even in the bad movies, it was never his fault. Terminator Salvation, he played a young Kyle yeah. Reese. And he was good in it. He was just in a bad movie. Yeah. Um, I can't think of some, I can't think of some of his other films, but... The Charlie Bartlett yeah, movie? Yeah, he was a talented kid, man. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Like, you know, I thought he was a better Kyle Reese than Jai Courtney. I thought he was way better. Sure. You know, um... Yeah, he did, uh, what is I, it? Alpha Dog, right? Was he in Alpha Dog, I believe? Yeah, that was one of his big yeah. films. I actually never seen Alpha Dog, but I've heard really good things about it. He also was in a movie called Charles Bartley. Yeah. A lot of people tell me it's fifth. Like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. A lot of people say that's one of his best films. So, like, I do have some, you know, when it comes to this film, I haven't seen everything. But every time I see him in a movie, I was always like, oh, that kid's good. And especially Green Room, which came out this year, that's probably my second favorite film of the year after Sing Street. Uh, I thought he was great. And I, it was just a preview, like, man, this kid's he's really going to go somewhere. And you kind of had a feeling he was going to be a great actor. Not that he wasn't a great actor, he was. But I think he was going to be a great actor on a bigger stage sooner than later. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, yeah, I know. Um, speak, speaking of deaths, you know, you hinted on it of um, Muhammad Ali and a couple of other people. But which one? You know, they're all they're all shocking. But which one really, really shocked you the most, though? Oh man, I don't know. Um, David Bowie was pretty shocking. Yeah. Um, he, um, you kind of saw it coming. Yeah. How about uh, Prince? He's been sick for so long with you know Parkinson's. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, Prince was a big one too. No one, he was, cause he was so young still. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think he's in his 50s. Like, really? Mm-hmm. And Bowie, you know, he was sick a while, but he kept it a secret, so it was kind of a surprise. Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. Because I love Labyrinth. Labyrinth is one of my favorite movies growing yeah. up. As a kid, I would watch it all the time. Yeah, so, it's... So, he did Bowie hit me harder. Yeah, so I, I don't... I also like him in other films. He, he's in... Martin Scorsese's film, uh, The Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah, he oh plays, my god. Uh, That's right. Pancho Pilot or whatever, and he's really good in it. And I really like David Bowie's music. I, I'll admit, I like Prince's music, but I didn't listen to him as much as I did David Bowie growing up. Oh, you, oh, you wasn't really a, a a big Prince fan like that? I wasn't a huge Prince fan. Of course I knew who he was. Yeah. <laughs> I seen Purple Heat. Like, I, I liked his music. Batman was huge for me as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I was—I of course I knew who he was, but if you asked who was I bigger fan of, I definitely listened to David Bowie more growing up. Oh, okay, okay, man. I know it's—it's just—it's just like you know, this year. I'm saying everybody's gonna die, like I was just saying before, but it's just so shocking. And you know, Prince. You know, I always you know hear his music all the time, but you notice like when someone dies, I'm sure this had an effect with David Bowie. You start hearing their music again, and you're appreciating it because they're not around no more. You're like, oh my god, I love this song. And then you start hearing like his yeah. songs on repeat, and you know you'll like have all his albums downloaded so that you could just hear it when you're walking or just driving or anything. Yeah. No, totally. David Bowie affected you more, but. When he died, like you, did you like download more of his songs on on your um, iPad or whatever, or just started hearing more of his album? Oh, I didn't even have to download them, man. And they're all I had his greatest hits all ready to go on my iTunes. Of course, when someone dies like that, you immediately want to revisit their music or what they left behind. For me, it's a little different with musicians and like actors. Mm-hmm. For some actors, once they die, I and certain actors I can't revisit it right away. When yeah. Robin Williams died. I couldn't watch a Rob Williams movie for a while. Wow. And I think that was more due to the fact of the way he passed away. 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, in kind of a sad manner that he went. Yeah. And it was too upsetting for me to watch a Ron Williams movie because I grew up with Ron Williams. It's kind of like that, you know, he's a movie equivalent of an uncle. He's just that funny guy who's always there, always comforting. And I'm a big fan of Good Hunting. That's my, his performance in that movie is fantastic. He won an Oscar for it. I love him in that movie. But movies like Miss Doubtfire, Good Morning Vietnam. I was a huge Ron Williams fan growing up. So when he passed away, it was like all, it was the closest thing I ever felt to having a family member die even though I've only had a relationship with my TV screen. It's funny because, you know, Robin Williams has a boatload of movies, but the movies that really got me was Popeye and, like, Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, those movies yeah. showed, showed, like, so much range, even for the, his role as Popeye, even though it wasn't, like, a major hit. You know, he ranged from emotions to happy, sad, you know, you know, his goofy self, especially his, his role in Work and Mindy, man. He was excellent in Work and Mindy. Yeah, Mark and Mindy. I got to watch shows. I didn't really watch that much. I remember seeing that on like Nickelodeon once in a while, yeah. like late night. They would have all the old school shows on there. Yeah. But I was more definitely into his film side. Like I remember seeing Patch Adams, which just wasn't a good movie. But I went and saw theaters because it was Ron Williams. Um, the movie he did with the Prince Cobra called Jack. I I saw that movie several times in the theater. Uh, he was just a fantastic actor who just. He had a certain energy that no one could really match. Closest mm-hmm. I could think of is like maybe Jim Carrey got close to matching that kind of energy that Rob Williams could bring to a role. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was rough for me. Rob Williams is probably the toughest one in the past few years. Yeah. He was also good when he played like um, like dramatic, like evil roles. You know, like the movies like yeah. One Hour Photo and um, was it um Insomnia? I believe it was. Like he he yeah, played, Insomnia, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, he played evil so good too. Like you know, I guess you know every yeah. everything that. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that was going on with him, but like his range as an actor, like you know, they say like comedians can play any type of roles because mm-hmm. they have a lot of darkness in their heart. Well, I don't know if that's yeah. like the case, but you know, the, all the roles that he played, he, like you know, people like if Robert Williams did a movie, like if let's say it was a serious movie, people would say, oh, you know, I could see him in that. Like you know, they won't say oh, he he never got typecast as a comedian actor. He was all types of roles, dramatic, comedy, you yeah. know. He he was that good of an actor, and you know, I, you know, he's definitely sh- um surely missed. Yeah, um, no, for sure, man. I said that was one of the toughest ones. Like Chris Farley is another one. And some things in the comedians are just they bring so much joy to you as a child in the film yeah. that when they die, you know, they take a laughter away from you. And I think that's what really makes it even sadder when yeah. you're it's just an entertainer. Yeah, that's true. Um, what are what are your thoughts of um, um, like t- like certain like you know because Robin Williams was like a TV actor and then he became an actor. Well, I guess a comedian uh-huh. first, TV actor. Right? What are your thoughts of like TV actors going into mainstream movies? Like you know, everybody was talking about John Hamm, like he's gonna be like you know after Bad Men, he's gonna be a superstar, but that really hasn't happened yet. He has like different roles in movies, but nothing mainstream. Like, do you see any even Charlie Hunnam and you know? Big TV actors, like, they can, not that they can't make it to the big screen, but they haven't found, like, that role yet to make them up there in superstar status. Like, do you see a TV actor now that has the potential to be a big-time actor? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, I'm not really... I don't know. As of right now? Yeah. Anybody you see, like, 
So that Nobody might have comes a future. directly to mind. Like you think of comedians because comedians sometimes like Kevin James. Yeah. Made that jump from TV that you know films. Even though I don't like most of his films. <laughs> yeah. um, like for a long time, everyone was like waiting for Brian Cranston to finish Breaking Bad. Yeah. Because everyone was like, "This dude's gonna finish Breaking Bad. He's gonna be an amazing actor." Yeah, that's true. And he, he's already been nominated for an Oscar, so he's proven that you know he, he was able to make that jump. But not everyone's been able to make it. Taylor uh, Kitsch, who was huge on Friday Night Lights, you know, he had two bombs in one year. He had three bombs. He had Excellent Origins, which he was just a side character. But then he had Battle, Battlefield, no, Battleship, which was horrible. Mm-hmm. And he was the lead actor in that. And then he had John Carter from Mars, and that <laughs> bomb too. Yeah, uh, so I think if a TV actor wants to really make that jump, don't go into these big budget Hollywood movies. I understand... It's tempting because it's a lot of money, but try to come up like more in the try try doing some smaller indie, more serious kind of dramas, and then eventually make your way to the bigger Hollywood films. Because I feel like if you make a name for yourself as a great actor in smaller mm-hmm. films, uh, that's how you get your name thrown around to the bigger movies. I know, but you know, this, there was a time when the big actors from Hollywood, you know, movie stars were doing TV, like Kiefer Sutherland went back to television after his movie career sort of kind of fizzled, and then, you know, you had like Blue Diamond Phillips coming back to television, you know, you had all these big big time actors coming back to television, and, you know, it's and vice versa, it's not really the same, like TV people can't make it, not that they can't make it because they have a career doing it, but they're not like on the superstar status. Like, you know, The Rock is like the exception to the rule, a freaking wrestler. And, you know, wrestlers get that, you know, typecasted role. And look what he made for himself. Like, he's like the exception to the rule. You know, there's a lot. Yeah. You know, the, he, he's like a super, you know, he's a superstar, you know. And even the crappiest of rock movies is entertaining. You know, if you watch The Rundown, it's not really a great movie, but, it, you know, it, The Rock makes it good. And it's not because of Sean William Scott. You know, The Rock really, you know, set the tone for that movie. Even um, that movie, uh, Jesus Christ. Well, he was with Sarah Michelle Gellar. I forgot the name of that movie. But he was pretty good in that. Oh, the Southland Tales. That's what it was. Southland Tales. Oh, Southland Tales? Yeah. He was pretty good in that. You know, he was really pretty good at that. That's when he was coming into his own. But, you know, Walking Tall wasn't a great movie, but The Rock made it great, you know. So, you know, he's like the exception to the rule, even though he wasn't a... You could say he wasn't a TV... You could say he was a TV actor slash wrestler because he was on television every day. And, you know, he made it... The two most successful stories coming from that angle... Yeah. uh, Will Smith... Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Made that transition to huge actor. And let's not forget, Bruce Willis was yeah. on a sitcom called Moonlighting. Yep, that's right. Until he got Die Hard. So, I mean, it can happen. I mean, it has happened. Yeah. And like you said, Robin Williams started with Mark and Mindy. Yeah. Um, so it can happen. It's just, I feel like it's rare nowadays. And nowadays, some of the better stuff is on TV. McConaughey won the Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. But that was the same year True Detective came out. Yeah. And you're not going to convince me that didn't play into him winning that Oscar. Yeah. he was killing it that year. Yeah. And speaking of that, like, TV, like, I just remember now, Leo DiCaprio, he was in freaking Growing Pains, you know, as Luke, yeah. a character of Luke. And, yep. you know, like, I think, you know, Leo is, 
you know, besides The Rock, like, not that I'm not comparing The Rock to Leo DiCaprio, but Leo's one of those actors where any role he's in, you know, even if the movie is a period piece movie, you know, like Gangs of New York or anything, anything Leo is in is money. It's gold. You know, there, there's not a yeah. crappy Leo movie. Like, if you could tell me one. He, he only works with the best. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. He won't yeah. work with anybody that's subpar. Yeah, you know, like, there's, like, if you, I, I can't even think of a crappy Leo movie. Even if it's crappy, it's not that crappy. But, like, everything he touches, you know, to me, all time, like, The Wolf of Wall Street, The Departed, you know, there's great, great movies. Yeah, what's your favorite, what's your favorite Leo movie? Oh, yeah, it's tough. I would probably say, the one I think he should have won an Oscar for was Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's so good in that movie. He's in almost every frame of that movie. Yeah. He carries it beautifully. Um, I, he's, I mean, listen, he's great in Titanic. He's great in uh, The Aviator, the yeah. first as you film. And yeah, he was obviously really good in um, the one he won an Oscar for this year. Um, oh, The Revenant, right? The Revenant, yeah. He was great at it too. He's never doing a bad performance, in my opinion. Yeah. The one time I thought he might have been doing a bad performance yeah. was during Shutter Island. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. there's a twist in the movie that explains that he he was acting bad on purpose. Yeah. And my mind was blown. Yeah. I was like, this guy's too good. Yeah. Even Django Unchained he was good in. I was oh, like, wow. Yeah, he was great. He should have got nominated that year. He didn't. I don't know what was nominated. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they were smoking. He definitely should have been nominated. You know, um, um, JTE, um, anything else you got going on in, um, um, the schmoes? Any, any future things coming up ahead? Yeah, you know, every Thursday we are in, um, schmoes, no show, where we cover everything from TVs and movies now. Uh, look out for me on the Schmodown, which is the new weekly show on Collider YouTube channel where we go off in trivia contests. Uh, I'll be battling Mark Ellis next week, and I'm hoping to beat him. <laughs> it's not going to be easy. Ellis is tough, but I have beat him before, so luck is on my side, and so is history. Uh, and then Screen Junkies. Screen, I, I should say this. Screen Junkies has been fantastic. I love working on these shows every day. It's a dream come true. Uh, if you guys are listening to this, and you're going to be around Comic-Con in San Diego, we're doing a big this year. We are doing comedy... <laughs> Basically, doing uh, Screen Junkie Central. Uh, I don't know what I can say completely right now because we're still coming up with a plan as far as like who we're booking or for panelists and some of the shows. But if you're at Comic Con and say you can't get in to Comic Con, we will be we'll have a venue very close, like really close to the actual City of Comic Con Convention Center, and we'll be having free shows the whole weekend. Uh, it's going to be really fun. I can't wait to go just to meet everybody. And the shows we're going to have are going to be really fun. And I don't think you should miss it. So if you're in San Diego Comic Con this year, find us. Find me. It's going to be awesome. Wow. You, the, the people are definitely going to get their money's worth with all that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. A lot of people go to Comic Con and they don't even go into the actual Comic Con because it's so big and there's so much to do outside of Comic Con. Uh, it's fantastic. You can spend the whole weekend just outside the actual convention center and have a good time. And that's going to be even more so this year because Screen Junkie Central is going to be pumping. 
Yeah. Um. I, um. I know you talked about it before, but um, talk a little bit. Um. How did you, you know, fall into the schmoes and the screen junkies? Like, to, to give a little backstory of um, Josh Tapia. <laughs> Josh Tapia. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a real quick. I was a fan. I was able. To, I had some uh, history of production, so I was able to actually talk my way to be intern with schmoes. That was almost four years ago. And I've stuck with them ever since. And, you know, the one thing that was really aware for me being on the show just as an intern was I really know my movies. And I really embrace Schmoville and the fans. And because of that, I've made a lot of cool friends online, and I always have somebody to talk movies about. Now, when we were stationed, we teamed up with AfterBuzz TV for a while, and that's when Screen Junkies started shooting movie fights. I was the engineer from day one, even for the pilot. And when Screen Junkies finally moved it to their own studio, I was lucky enough to go with the show because I no one no one else had done the show but me, and I've been doing it ever since. I've done almost every single Screen Junkies movie fights. I think I've missed a handful because I, I either was sick or I had to go to a wedding. But yeah, I uh, I, was, I was able to work myself into a great company, a great channel, and now I have. I get to meet even more Screen Junkie fans and Schmoes fans than I ever did before. And I get to meet, you know, some great talent when it comes to filmmaking. Like, I met, like I said, I met Anton Yelchin. I met the director of Green Room. I've met the Russo brothers that came in for Civil War. We just did, Ryan Reynolds just did Honest Trailer Quest. It blew up like a month ago. Yeah. So, as a film geek, uh, it's heaven. Yeah, so isn't it's it's work, but it's also like, you know, you're living out your dream and your passion, right? This it's, is what you wanted to do in life. It's barely work. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. I hate to even call it work. Yeah. I get paid to do something I really enjoy doing, and I don't take it for granted. Not a day. And um, my final question for you, um, what would the Josh Tapia of today tell the Josh Tapia of yesterday? Oh, of yesterday? Yep. Um... Yeah, well, that's a good question. How far back are you looking at? Um, well, you now telling yourself you as an 18 year old teenager. Oh, man. Um, I, my, I guess my advice would be stay the course because it's all going to work out, <laughs> even when it doesn't look like it's going to. Stay the course is all. Right. I wouldn't change anything, honestly, because everything I've done, every chance I took got me to where I am now. And trust me, there are plenty of times where I could have just quit and moved back home to Connecticut. Or I could have just left, took another job because the money was better. Yeah. Um, I could have I done that so many times. But I stayed the course. I was headstrong. I didn't give up. And all of those years of struggle worked out at the end. Because where I am now is, is the best place I've ever been in as far as working in this industry. Did you picture yourself ever, you know, well, you're there now, but at that, when you was younger, did you ever picture yourself leaving Connecticut? No. no? I, 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 for me, Hollywood was like the moon. Yeah. It just felt like it was so far because all my friends and family are in Connecticut. I knew nobody in L.A. Yeah. I didn't know anybody. Wow. And, you know, so I was just like, how would I ever go there? I was young. I didn't know any better. Then when I finally went to college in Florida, went to film school. I had a choice. Do I go to New York? LA. Those are the two places you got to go if you really want to work in the industry. And the reason why I took LA was because I grew up I ran outside New York my whole life. And yeah, I could have been closer to my family, but you only you're only on this earth once, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Uh, at least some people believe that. Some people believe you're on a But I'm only <laughs> on this world once. 
I want to see as much of this planet Earth as I can. I don't want to be one of those people who lives their whole life in their hometown. Yeah. And if, if you are like that, great. Good for you. I was just always in the mindset is I need to see and experience as many different things as I can. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people like sometimes, that. Sometimes that means moving to a city thousands of miles away from home where you know nobody. And it can get lonely. At the same time, I think it builds character. And I think, you know, it makes you a better... Makes you a better person. Wow, that's amazing. Um, how old was you when you learned how to drive? Uh, sixteen. I think that's the age. Oh, sixteen. Wow, you was, so you was in Connecticut driving cars at sixteen. Woo. Yeah, as soon as I turn, sixteen is when you were able to get a driver's license. As soon as I turned sixteen, I got my driver's license. Oh, man, that's amazing. You know, it's, it's an amazing story for people, you know, to get inspired that way because there's a lot of people who have dreams and don't want to follow their dreams. So, you know, I'm kind of glad you said that because, you know, it, it inspires a lot of people who have that dreams, either whatever dreams there is, if they want to be a cop or entertainment, you know, follow your passion, right? Yeah, man, just don't be afraid to take chances. Uh, that's the biggest thing. I mean, I've just, I've emailed people out of nowhere. I didn't have a connection. I didn't know anybody, but if you just take the extra step, I I was on a, I think Christian, I, I the way I got with Shmoz is I commented on one of their videos. Yeah. They did a Q&A video where they were like, hey, ask us a question. <laughs> and in the comments I wrote, I think I, it might have been a comment or I might have sent them a message over YouTube. And I was just like, hey man, I've worked in the industry for so long, would you guys need some help? That was it. And I did that from Connecticut. Because I was home, I was home for a little bit when I left LA for a little while. And if I wasn't sitting in my boxers at midnight writing that little message, I don't know where I'd be right now. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't be here. <laughs> so, one little decision like that, writing an email to somebody, can change your whole life. Wow, that's amazing. So it was, it was that just that comment that really got the ball rolling from you, for you. Yeah, because Christian replied and was like, sure, man, do you want to meet up some time for coffee? And I was in Connecticut, and I basically had a lie to him. until I told him I was in LA. Yeah. So I took, like a week or two later, I took a flight to LA, and I met with Ken Epsock. And then they offered me the gig, and I basically moved back to LA the next week. They didn't know that until later, but yeah, it worked out. <laughs> it's, that's, that's so funny, man. That's so funny. <laughs> And, you know, that's how, that that's how like, you know, chances happen just like that, you know, where you just, you know. Yeah. Um, it, you got to put yourself out there. You got to, you know, you just got to put yourself in position to be able to do what you want to do. Yeah. Thank you very much, Josh. I appreciate the time. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks. Thank you.